I did everything they told me to. Did you know I build missiles? Yeah. I help to protect America? You should be rewarded for that. Instead of giving it to the plastic surgeon, you know, they lied to me. Is that what this is about? You're angry because you got lied to? Is that why my chicken dinner's drying out in the oven? Hey, they lie to everybody. They lie to the fish. That doesn't give you any special right to do what you did today. Intellectual decay! Turn it off and watch your brain! And welcome to Generation Loss. Yeah, the I'm podcast, <laughs> the podcast where Brynn and I watch videos. That's right. <laughs> we watch a video. That's the and um, we talk about it. Yeah, and that's the whole show. Yep. Uh, I'm <laughs> Jeremy the- Hammond. I have a podcast called uh, Bonnet Super. I'm Brynn Niebuhr, and I have a show called BB Bledis, and all now we both have this podcast. Yep, <laughs> and that's all the introduction we're going to do. <laughs> all right, what do we got on the show list today? This week, we watched Falling Down. Directed by Joel Schumacher. I did not know that before coming into the... Wait, like... wait, wait, okay, wait. Had you ever seen Falling Down? Oh, of course, yeah. Okay, you had Several times, okay. yeah. Uh-huh. Did your dad like falling oh, down? Oh, did my dad like falling <laughs> down? Yes. <laughs> I believe firmly Hell that that yeah. is everybody's introduction to this movie. Right. Your white dad. Your white dad. <laughs> Even if you're a black person, you have a white yeah. dad who showed this to you. <laughs> <laughs> my mother is Mexican, and mm-hmm. I grew up in Los Angeles. And so this movie, I remember when the LA riots happened. Like mm-hmm. I was old enough to like see it on TV and be right. like, oh, maybe we shouldn't go outside. <laughs> and so I remember my dad being like, and this movie. <laughs> and being like, I don't understand. <laughs> yeah, you're what- going to be surprised, Bryn, by how much this movie is about the riots. <laughs> I don't think... I'm not sure. It's kind of about the riots. It's not at all about the riots. They made the movie while the riots were happening. I know. Yeah. So this movie was written by a man named Iku or something. Oh, yeah. What <laughs> he is- has a really weird name. He hasn't written like anything else. E- Eb- uh, something. Yeah, we came prepared, prepared, but it's directed by Joel Schumacher. And I think that there's an interview with this guy much later on uh, for like the 20th anniversary. Someone did an interview with him and he seems a little more lucid than anyone else involved with the making of this picture. (laughs) Eb Rowe Smith. Eb Rowe Smith or E.B. Or E.B. Could be E.B. E.B. Uh, anyways, uh, e- e- we'll call him E.B., why not? Uh, E.B. is kind of like, throughout his career, seems to be mostly just like a Hollywood jobber. He's like a character actor. He's His IMDb page is like long as hell. Yeah. He's in a lot of stuff, but never anything that you'd know him for. I think the biggest thing he was in was like Turner and Hooch. Yeah. he Did he write that too? No, no, no. no. This is the only thing that he wrote, really. Yeah, his... Uh... His writing and like if he, his um his IMDb page is full of cop movies, copaganda. I would uh-huh. say 
loves being in cop movies, such as Car 54, Where Are You? Turner and Hooch, if you remember, is a cop movie, too. A dog cop movie. Dog cop movie. Right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's a cop, and he's a dog. Yeah. So, this guy is Bites sort people of... on the balls, if I recall. <laughs> <laughs> I never saw it. Oh, I They had I a big poster for movie. it at the bowling alley where I grew up. <laughs> I loved that movie as a kid so much, but it's basically... Tom Hanks, for some reason, has to take care of his cop dog. Okay. He has to like, bring it to his house. It doesn't make any sense. As an, <laughs> if you think about it as an adult, he's like a cop. Right. And it's like, why would he have to have it at his house? But That's just like part of having a cop dog, I guess. Yeah, you have in, to bond with world. it. Yeah, you have to like... <laughs> well, like if you want a cop dog, you're going to have to feed and take care of your cop dog. <laughs> yeah. You you have to raise it. You have to you have to feed it every day. You've got to train it. Walk. You're the one who's going to be training this cop dog. <laughs> and when I it comes time, I don't ever want to have to pick up the the, the chief just screaming at yeah. him. Like, I don't ever want to have to pick up this dog's shit. <laughs> you will be responsible for this cop dog. And when it comes time, you will teach this dog how to persecute minorities. <laughs> yeah. And you'll raise its puppies, too. Anyway, uh, yeah, so, so he didn't e- write that, uh, but he Abby, was in it. Ebby Rowe Smith, or E.B., whatever. Yeah, Mr. E- Mr. E.B. Yeah, he. so he wrote this movie. Uh, it's his passion project, it seems like. He's also a producer on it. The director is Schumacher. And then Michael Douglas has a big part in getting this thing made, too. Really? Um, apparently, they shopped this around for a while. Like, he, Ebby Rowe Smith spent a couple years writing it, tried pitching it around, wasn't getting much traction, showed it to Michael Douglas, who saw it and was like, this is gold. I would love to be in your racist movie. Right. Well, it, okay. So <laughs> this movie is in is very strange because the screenwriter seems to think that it is a movie about a racist. Mm-hmm. And purposefully. Right. It's a movie where a... Like, it's very... You can almost see the edges of what the screenwriter thought it was, which seems to be a very metaphorical, very on the nose metaphorical, but Mm -hmm. metaphorical nonetheless, about like the end of the Cold War and America like having an identity crisis with itself. Like the guy literally works in defense. Right. Like this guy, his he's a sort of like military contractor and he's like, well, now I have nothing to do, so I guess I'll just like look inward and just be mad at everyone around me who isn't white Mm -hmm. and a man and exactly in my class or like in you know makes more or less money than me yeah yeah yeah. Um, he's got a very narrow vision of who's on his side right but it's uh, only white families who are not rich or extremely impoverished and only if you work hard as he deems it to be like he only as he understands hard work to be are you actually an acceptably hardworking right. white person? But we should, before we... If you haven't seen the movie Falling Down, right. <laughs> maybe like a quick synopsis uh, of it look, is... do a quick synopsis. The movie begins with a man who is in traffic in Los Angeles in 1992 or 3. Mm-hmm. Um, the movie came out in 93. It was shot in 92. Um, it's very hot. Um, it's kind of shot like Spike Lee's do, you could call this movie do the wrong thing. Uh, (laughs) Or uh, do the white thing. Do the white thing. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds like a dance. (laughs) You could also call it do the Bart man. (laughs) (laughs) 
Uh, yeah, same same time. Anyway, so he's he's in a hot car, in traffic, literally not moving, and he snaps, and he decides to leave his car and run away. So the movie is a sort of like Zelda's adventure type fetch yeah. quest where he basically just like meets different villains, mm-hmm. beats them up and takes their weapon to go to the next villain yeah, he, and beat them up. <laughs> and take it does have a very weapon. video game like quality to it where he keeps like leveling up in order yeah. to defeat the next dungeon, you know, and, and these dungeons are throughout the way, like a Korean grocery store, <laughs> a uh, fast food place. Two um, cholos. Yeah, a, a gangland uh, hill that's, uh, you know, just like their gang turf. They <laughs> yeah, love... It's got graffiti on it, and they got to protect this rock. This shows, like, how unresearched a lot of this is. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, the the mere idea that this hill would have some significance <laughs> to, a, uh, yeah, like, no, a, just, an urban gang. Yeah. That, like, when you have turf... <laughs> When, when you're it's, protecting it's turf blocks, and you're trying to keep people off areas of, it. of real places that you'd want to be on, not exactly. a field in the middle, somewhere that has some backyard. value yeah. to you, you know, as a, you know, if say you deal in drugs somewhere where there's high foot traffic where you'd want to sell your drugs right. or perhaps somewhere that's uh, dark and quiet where you can do uh, weapon deals mm. like places like that are defensible and, and important turf. Yeah. A hill <laughs> with nothing on it. <laughs> That appears to mostly act as a sound barrier for the nearby highway. Yes, 100%. That's what it's for. I don't know why they would want that. Anyway, the point is, is that he he he, he conquers each villain. Yeah. And all he's trying to do is go to be with his family. He's trying to go home, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. What you realize throughout the movie is that he uh, is divorced. He does not have... He lives with his mom. <laughs> he, he thinks his home is his ex-wife's house who has a restraining order against him. And he's trying to go be there for his daughter's... His estranged daughter's birthday, um, which his mother... The mother of that child does not want. <laughs> yeah. yeah um, and so all of this results in him finally getting there, attacking the, the mother and child and... Um, a final confrontation with a cop who's who's uh, been tracking him, played by Robert Duvall. Yeah. And uh, that's the whole movie. Watching this movie again, I think that, like, my big questions about it are, is this movie racist? Right. And two is, are we supposed to become racist because we watched it? <laughs> so oh, I you, guess you that kind of like... answers question one. <laughs> Well, the answer to both could be theoretically no, but that is not the answer to either, I think. No. So, so the first thing he does is he goes and he, the first boss he, he encounters is a, is a Vietnamese or a Korean, Korean grocer. Yeah, Korean grocer. Me. And, and he, who does not look Korean at all. Anyway, he, he, he's mad that he won't sell him. He does not understand inflation, and he won't yeah. sell him a Coca-Cola for fifty cents rather than eighty cents. So he decides to destroy his 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 store uh, over thirty cents until he finally relents and and gives it to him for for thirty yeah. cents. Well, the first thing that happens in the movie, and this is kind of like I talked to you while I, I this took me a very long time to watch, okay, because I kept pausing and rewinding to make sure that I did not miss hear or miss see something. Sure. Uh, so I think over the, you know, this is maybe like a two hour movie. I think it probably took me about like seven hours to watch this all told. <laughs> oh God. Uh, over the course of a couple of days. But the first thing that we see is they're on the highway. They're in, you know, completely stopped traffic and they're trying to like build tension, right? They're trying to like build this sort of like boiling point so that you feel like Michael Douglas and you're like, oh, 
damn fucking yeah. traffic. I hate this so much. But the things that they show you to signify tension are the traffic. They show some signifiers that it's hot. Yep. They show a bug on the back of his neck. Then we hear Spanish language radio. <laughs> yeah. Then we see the word freedom. Mm-hmm. Then we see two black kids on a very old bus. Yes. Uh, and then we see a depiction of Christ. Then we see Garfield, who of course hates Mondays. <laughs> and then we see, this is no joke, <laughs> we Not see a, a sunscreen ad on the side of the road that says white is for laundry. Yeah. And there's a little dude on it that's been graffitied on that says, help. <laughs> yeah. And he's hanging out of her cleavage, yes. I think. Yeah. Um, and yeah. And then there's a bu- <coughs> The bus is full of like white and black kids. So yeah. there's like the subtle nod to like uh, busing. And yeah, and- it's a noticeably old bus. Yeah. For a 90s movie, it is a noticeably old bus. And the little black kid is looking s- sorrowfully at Michael mm-hmm. Douglas. Um, but the Oh, I have to mention that this is a... The movie opens with a scene from Eight and a Half. This is how Eight and a Half opens, and it's... But way better. <laughs> like, this is a, it's a really shitty, <laughs> shitty version of Eight and a Half, directed by the man who directed Batman and Robin. <laughs> like, <laughs> sh- shit is, like, in Dutch angles and way too many cuts and too o- over the top and, and on the nose. It cuts so much in this oh, part. Oh, yeah. But the the billboard is what I want to talk about okay. very briefly. Yes. Is because, like... I've when, been thinking about it all day. <laughs> when When coming into this movie, you know, and knowing its reputation and knowing... You know the type of people who seem to gravitate towards this movie. It's it's very easy to find yourself like overanalyzing every little thing and like looking for you know dog whistles everywhere. Yeah. And this is one of those things where when I saw it, I was like, I'm being stupid. Like that's not a that's that's not like a noticeable reference to white genocide, right? But then <laughs> it can't be. It can't possibly be. <laughs> but then I looked up some quotes and right. I found like several quotes from the writer. Mm-hmm. And from uh, Michael Douglas, v- pretty explicitly saying like, <laughs> "Let's hear it." Uh, all right, so this is from from Abby from an LA Times article. Uh, to me, LA is the future of everywhere else in the United States. Things that are happening here today will be happening everywhere else tomorrow. In the film, the lead character has to deal with a lot of LA issues. The rise of traffic and crime and gangs, the new tide of immigrants and the tensions that arise when neighborhoods bump into each other, that tomorrow will be the issues that other cities will be forced to deal with, too. Yeah. That's the writer essentially saying, like, he's noticing there's a lot of white people around. It is like, ri- It is certainly written, <laughs> to, And it was reading more and more Ebby uh, uh, interviews, it, it is undeniable that this is a movie that is extremely... It it, it it predicted the future in a way that I don't think anyone really gives it credit for. Yeah. Because Ebby, at least, seems to have really pinpointed something that was happening in America, a rightward turn among a specific group of people mm-hmm. um, for specific reasons, and he was right in every on every point. There was an article, I don't remember, it was like a an article written about this. Um, I think it was titled... Dear white people, yeah, I got that uh, one. You, you open it up, um, yeah. In the, yeah, it's in called LA uh, "Hey White People." Michael Douglas is the villain, not the victim. Yeah. Falling down in that from article, LA Weekly. In that article, April Wolf uh, points out that, like, literally a year or two after this, Rush Limbaugh became this person that, like, all of these Michael Douglas guys aspired to be. You know, mm-hmm. and so I think that I 
personally think that EB wanted to make a movie about this um, and show the danger of seeing the disgruntled, privileged white guy as a hero. Mm -hmm. And he wrote this movie being like, no, he's clearly the bad guy. I don't think... Joel Schumacher understood that. <laughs> I don't. Yeah, I think that's what I kind of came to too. Is that like EB? I think that there is an argument to be made that perhaps, like at the time, had a different idea of this movie than he has over the course of mm. the years since. I don't know. I don't really have like the evidence necessarily to back up a claim like that. But I think it's very clear at the very least that I keep wanting to fucking call him Bruckheimer, but it's Schumacher. <laughs> Schumacher, yeah, <laughs> similar guy. It's very clear that Schumacher does not think that that's the movie that he's making. I don't think Michael Douglas thinks that's the movie he's making because he still to this day will say like Falling Down's my favorite movie I ever made. Like that fuck character rules, dude. Um Really? Yeah, he loves that character so much. I didn't read anything about my, what Michael Douglas thinks about this. And um, I think the editor too. I don't know who edited this, but uh-huh. I think that like there's a possibility that there was just a lot of footage and then an editor cut that together in a way that was horribly racist. <laughs> No, it's definitely on. No, but Schumacher got the footage that he, you know, that he was trying to get. Uh, But yeah, it's it's I don't know. It's hard, again, not to feel like you're reading too far into shit, but it is really noticeable that the first thing that you hear in this movie is Spanish language radio. Yeah. And that no, that's part of building it is impo- this tension. It is impossible not to... I mean, this movie is putting it in your face mm-hmm. and saying, like, this is a disgruntled white man. And, like, this is, a disgruntled, this is a disgruntled white man who meets people of different cultures. I mean, he literally, like, the first interaction he has, he's like, you come here and you can't even learn to speak my language. Yeah. Like, uh-huh. it's, it's on the nose. It's There's no confusion about yeah. this guy being a hardcore racist who doesn't know and that's why i think one of the, the one of the most interesting scenes is when he meets the actual like nazi mm-hmm. who like has heard about his antics mm-hmm. um on the on the police scanner and he's like you and i were the same man it's so right. cool i love that you're like killing all the n-words well but let's before we okay. get to that okay okay because like i think that the the central question to this movie, I think, is like, there's no doubt that, you know, Michael Douglas's character, who I don't think even has a name, I think he's just called Defense. His name is Bill at the end. But, oh. Yeah, well, but they I, call him Defense. Yeah, we'll just credited. keep calling him Michael Douglas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's very clear that Michael Douglas is a racist. <laughs> it's clear to me, and I think anyone who's listening to this show yeah, knows I think that you'll, you'll, racist you'll actor Michael us. Douglas is in this movie playing a racist character. Right. But the question is, does the film... <sighs> It's like E.B. keeps saying, like, you're not supposed to sympathize with Michael Douglas. And it's kind of a similar question to a lot of people have about stuff like Rick and Morty, where you look at it and you're like, you're not supposed to think Rick is cool, Mm -hmm. right? But then you watch the way that they make it and you're like, but Rick's always right. Rick always wins. Right. So you are supposed to think that Rick is cool. Yeah. You know, even if he's destructive and fucked up, you're supposed to think he's cool. And I think that in this movie, you are supposed to think that Michael Douglas is the shit. That's right. Every single one of these scenes ends with him getting the upper hand on somebody and leaving with like an epic hero shot. That's right. And I think that here's the thing. Okay. So this kind of brings me to the central thesis of this whole show, Mm. (laughs) which is that on Twitter, and in the culture, there are two sides, which are media means nothing, mm-hmm. or media is the only thing that means anything, and everything is deep and has deep effects on the culture. Right. And none of neither of those things are true. And I think 
for for me, I fall somewhere in the middle. Yeah. Because I think this is a perfect example of someone trying to make something thoughtful and cautionary uh, about the state of the world. Because I think it has a really good, like the script seems to have this very deep understanding of like, you can't be a conservative and not be a Nazi. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like, they're the same. Then they yeah. are the same. <laughs> and they could have made this movie about a monster mm-hmm. who's prowling the streets. Because it, it's structured like a slasher film. You know, it's ex- it's exactly like you, know, you go to these vignettes and you see this character and like you learn a little bit about their lives and then they get fucking killed by this like yeah, killed or, or otherwise disposed of. Right. And, and we move on from them. Functionally, they're dead. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we just don't see them again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they might as well be dead, but they don't kill them, actually, because... Although, apparently, for certain reasons. in the early uh, early drafts of the script, uh, uh-huh. they do all die. The, like, almost not, everybody that see, we see dies. See, I'm not surprised by that, because what I think happened is that Schumacher, being a filmmaker mm. and, and an idiot... <laughs> like read the script and was like okay well taxi driver exists and mm-hmm. that's good so what i have to do is i have to take the script and make it ambiguous and i have to take the moral of the story to be like is he cool though yeah and they had he had to like put that in there because that's what he knew to do because he saw a taxi driver once or whatever right and it's like he didn't have to do that. And by doing that makes it a pro possibly pro racist movie. It's absolutely a pro racist movie. Right. I'm like I'm pretty much settled on this now. <laughs> that like I do actually think whether or not like Schumacher is specifically using this as a point of radicalization, he made a piece of propaganda that is used as a point of radicalization 100%. for reactionaries. And there's like little things in there where it's like, I want to give him the benefit of the doubt and say, like, no, like he was trying to make something ambiguous where like you know, one of the articles I read about it uh, from the time that it came out is like he's taking you along for the ride to see how much you'll actually like sympathize with this guy before you get sick and like have to turn back, right? Yeah. But I don't think that's what he's doing because like I think that all throughout this thing are like these subtle little hints that you may not be like actively picking up on, but I mean like to use like a red letter media thing like but your brain is, yeah. you know, like the the opening uh the first boss battle, you know, when he's in the Korean grocery store, there's little subtle things like um uh for example, when he goes in, he's we establish in the car that he's really hot, that it's really hot out. Yep. He goes in the store, Sweating. it's still hot in the store. The Korean guy is not paying for air conditioning, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like he refuses to make change for him and that's to like hammer home like this guy is cheap. You know, it's yeah. it's old-timey, like, 90s racism a, the, of, like, cheap movie. Korean store owners, you <laughs> the know? The movie buys completely 100% into everything Michael Douglas thinks. Yes. Like, the the, the way things are shot, the mm-hmm. way the, the way things are cast, the way mm-hmm. things are edited, it, it, it is every assumption that Michael Douglas has, every racist assumption Michael yeah. Douglas has about this Korean guy, these cholos, this black guy, mm-hmm. is correct. Yes. Like, he's, he's never once every wrong. single time. Yeah. yeah. Uh, just for the sake because I wrote a bunch of them down uh, like I said it took me a long time to watch this movie uh, doesn't pay for the AC has an ancient cash register oh yeah the fridge is in the back have wood doors yeah and he, and he overcharges for everything in the store these things are in there whether you notice them or not to subtly push you in the direction of whether or not Michael Douglas is right to do what he does you agree with him 
You know what I mean? Yeah, you agree with his assumptions. At or, least or in that's universe. What's, well, that's what the movie wants yeah. the audience to think. It's like, he's justified in at least thinking these racist things. He mm-hmm. sh- We're going to get you to a point where you think he shouldn't, <clears throat> probably shouldn't beat people with a baseball bat or point a gun in their face, but we're assuming that you're going to agree with this guy's yeah. assumptions. And the fact is, is like, because I read that same review mm-hmm. where they're like, they're taking you on a ride to see how far you'll go with him. And the answer is zero scenes. <laughs> <laughs> like, From the moment he gets out of his car, I'm like, well, I wouldn't do that. Yeah, well, <laughs> seriously, like, what do you... You're already being a selfish asshole by, yeah. like, getting out of your car and leaving your car. Also, like, you need that car because you live in L.A. Yeah. Where are you going to go? And then literally the next scene is... I can't believe you came to my country and won't learn my language. Or yeah. he clearly speaks English. He just isn't speaking it well enough for him. Yeah. And then he's like, do you know how much money my country gave your country? <laughs> and it's like, you work in defense, man. You should know what happened in the Korean War. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, like the the idea that there's these uh, this assumed audience member mm-hmm. who's going to watch even the first two scenes and be like yeah i mean well he's right though yeah it's like is already racist there's a part of me that's like <laughs> coming back to something we talked about earlier like the the white dad audience of this right yeah there's a part of me that's just like what they missed out on is a scene where he like shoots some weeds out of the ground you know, <laughs> yeah. just the scene where like the lawnmower won't work and he fucking executes the the uh, John Deere guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, his like grill lighter won't start, and so he like blows it up with a with a, with a fucking bazooka. Um, but yeah, so what happens? He leaves from there, and and he goes to. That's when he meets the. Oh, he goes uh, to the he Cholos. goes to the hill and he meets the Cholo guys. Yeah, and they're like, "You're on our fucking turf, dude. This hill <laughs> yeah. means a lot to this my is, people. This is deeply <laughs> the, okay. So like the the Asian grocery guy, you could almost if you're already a racist and you want to be charitable to racists, like this is it's funny because like I remember hearing a lot as a kid that this movie is like so, kind of ambiguous mm-hmm. and like morally like same as I hear about taxi driver like even to this yeah. day like edgy bros are like yeah taxi driver is like a morally ambiguous like is he right to murder all those people it's like no dude no. he's a fucking weirdo <laughs> like the fuck is wrong with you but people still think that and I get, at least kind of understand with Travis Bickle because like seems at least he's coming from a lot of good but i don't remember the movie very well i didn't mm-hmm. really like it when i was a kid yeah um but this movie is not ambiguous whatsoever he yeah. immediately starts off as racist but if you wanted to uh give him the benefit of the doubt from the first scene this scene indicts him and the director immediately uh-huh. because it's, no one acts like this like yeah. i grew up around only Mexican people in Los mm-hmm. Angeles and I knew people in gangs and I and I knew people who weren't in gangs but even if you are in a gang you don't walk up to a fucking guy who looks like this who is clearly a cop yeah and just <laughs> with only two people <laughs> with no gun yeah they're not armed <laughs> One of them has a knife. One of them has a knife. They have a huge bag of guns in their car, not right. with them. Yeah. So they don't, they just get out of their car. They yeah. see a guy walking with a briefcase and they find, and they walk up to him and start fucking with him. Yeah. For no reason. And this is one of the not scenes th- where it's like, 
maybe in the first two scenes you can you can maybe say like you know oh like i could see how he like uh you know he kind of looks like a shit because he like uh you know he racially abused that that ethnic minority and he left <laughs> yeah. his car on the highway this is the scene where like there's no way that you're supposed to see this except he's a fucking stone cold badass because yeah. these guys are like holding a knife to him and like walking circles around him like fucking sharks and he just like doesn't flinch doesn't move yeah he just sits there he's just he and he does i said it uh in my notes i wrote down it reminds me of like those uh youtube videos where uh somebody like overdubs uh a rap battle with like a white translation of it where they're just like <laughs> i actually think that your neighborhood sucks like he's just doing that to them where he's just like i'm sorry i feel like i'm on your turf yeah <laughs> But yeah, he just sits there just like unflinching as these dudes walk around him. And there's no other way to see that except like this dude rules. Yeah, that he's fucking John McClane for defense contractor idiot dads. And so he disarms the man with a knife by hitting him with a baseball bat he, that he stole from the Korean store. Yeah, again, leveling up weaponry. Yeah. He gets the knife from them. Yeah. He hits them over the head with a baseball bat, takes the knife. Um, and he even makes like that funny little quip where he's like, he like, is like trying to do the butterfly. Oh, yeah, he's, and like, he's like, how, how do you do that? Do that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like super cool. And like, um, yeah, that sucks. Then he goes to a McDonald's ripoff and this is the funniest part. I think like, this is the part that really makes me think that there's no way that that script wasn't written as a dark comedy yeah and then they forgot to make it a dark comedy or like mm-hmm. they just decided not to because they were like it'll be more interesting if it's a more Im- morally ambiguous cool racist <laughs> um because he goes and like his big thing here is that they're not serving him breakfast yeah even though it's only three minutes past 11 or whatever yeah and this one is like you should be laughing at him but the movie thinks that you're supposed to understand. Yeah. Like, you've been there. You've You've wanted wanted the breakfast and it was too late. So you're frustrated. So you definitely could have felt like it would have been justified to rip someone's head off, like Fred Durst says. Wild (laughs) that, like, and this is kind of where I think if this was in the original script, like, if this wasn't in rewrites, I think that this is condemning of Ebby as much as it is anybody else. Right. Because I think this is classic fucking white nationalist shit where they slip in racist stuff along with not racist stuff to try to, like, give you a little sugar to let the medicine go down, Definitely. you know? Like, uh, like, don't we all fucking hate when they don't have fucking breakfast uh. and you're, like, only a couple minutes late? Come on, I can see the eggs back there. You can make me eggs. <laughs> also, don't you just, like, hate when, like, Korean guys don't speak English? <laughs> yeah. You know? And, <laughs> like, and this Mexican is guys definitely... come up to you with butterfly nuts? Yeah. Yeah, this is shot chaser shit. Like, that's what's happening Definitely. Here. <laughs> yeah. You're right. And so oh, this I is forgot. in the first script. Like, fuck you, Abby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I forgot, actually. He has guns by now, so that means that he called his wife, and he they tried to do a drive-by shooting tried on him. Tried to do a drive-by shooting. And they failed. Again, unflinching. Yeah, he did. doesn't even look scared. They miss completely. They crash. He takes their guns and yeah. shoots one of them in the leg for no reason. Uh-huh. And also, he walks through that park, and uh, there's like a construction worker that he doesn't like because he's like lazy and not working hard enough. And uh, there's a homeless guy who doesn't really want food. He wants money. Yeah. <laughs> um, whatever. It's just yeah. like more shit where it's just like, all right, so it's just like more yeah. dad shit. And here's where I think we should get into um, one of the most damning things in the movie is Robert Duvall's arc. Mm-hmm. Okay, so 
during all of the the other B story of this movie is that there is a cop who's it's his last day yeah, on the force. Mm-hmm. You got to have a last day cop yep. for some reason. <laughs> I don't get it, but he is. This is his last case, but he's not even his case. He's sort of like meddling in someone else's case. Yeah, Robert Duvall has this bitch wife. <laughs> this shrew. <laughs> this fucking hedgehog at home. <laughs> Who's just constantly calling just him? Me, 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 me. <laughs> just constantly, yeah, in his fucking ear, man. Yeah, and don't I- we all know it? <laughs> and he uh, is just laying down like a doormat. This yeah. whole fucking, unlike Michael Douglas's badass character, he is a a kind. Um, you know, pushover. He's a pussy, right? Yeah. <laughs> and so he keeps answering this phone call and being like, "Yeah, you know, I'm, 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 I might be coming home. I'm, I'm kind of working on this thing. I'm busy." And she's like, "It's your last day. <laughs> Come fuck me or whatever." <laughs> yeah, I got a cut from the cat. <laughs> You better fucking come home. Yeah, just calling him for the dumb. It's it's honestly several s- times a day. I text my wife maybe twice during the work day. I don't know why they're talking this much. Yeah, it's insane. And like no one acts like this. She's an old woman. Like she's he's like a balding gray haired man who's yeah. retiring, and he's his he's dating or he's married to this sort of like weird lady. Who just she's a layabout and just calls him for no, oh, no yeah. reason all the time. It's very confusing. It's almost surreal in a sort of like Terry Gilliam way, mm-hmm. <laughs> or like this British like enormous like <laughs> horrible woman who's just like <laughs> constantly she's like a punching Judy. <laughs> yeah, and they're never in the same room together no, either. She's like a separate scene. Where she's at home yelling at him, Um, so he's trying to he's trying to um, solve this case of figuring out that defense is a guy who's going around on a rampage for no reason and has a very cute lady partner um, who's kind of helping him, and it's always kind of implied that they're fucking Mm -hmm. um, that he's cheating on her, or at least that his his shrew wife is like at least thinking that right, yeah. Because she answers the phone a couple times, and she's like, who is that? Yeah, I don't Um, think I don't fucking know who that is. (laughs) (laughs) And so he's trailing him the whole time. And I think this is the worst thing in the whole movie. Because even if you're you're a racist, (laughs) and you're like... Man, I don't know. I think he he could you could see him as like being a cool hero defense. Mm -hmm. Like this guy's arc is that he is a pushover who's quitting his job specifically for his bitch wife <laughs> and then his like hooray I've I've come to the other side and like grown a pair is he like hits a guy yeah. <laughs> in the face for teasing him and then also yells at his wife and tells yeah, her tells to her shut to up fuck off and then gets I wrote down like he his big payoff of his whole story is he digs into his wife, tells her to cook him dinner, and is yeah. rewarded with a workplace stripper. Yeah, and like then, that's what happens. He goes to his away party, and they have a stripper for him. And then he knocks a guy who's been teasing him the whole time out. Yeah, like fucking punches him in the face, and then he goes solves the case. Yeah. Um, and if that's in the original screenplay, what is this movie about? Yeah, because that's the same thing. <laughs> He's a pushover uh, cop, <laughs> yeah. Who 
who who who isn't able isn't in control of his own life and the good guy of the movie his reward is punching a guy which uh-huh. is the same thing that this guy's been doing and <laughs> yelling at a woman yeah he finally gets to be michael douglas at the end yeah um yeah the other thing that's really notable about uh the the robert duvall side plot is how bullshit it is comparatively <laughs> that like uh like if if Michael Douglas's arc is being painted in like tiny little detail, his Robert Duvall's is just like the broadest of strokes. Like <laughs> could not give less of a shit about this story. It's exclusively there to give some sort of tension that like defense might get caught before he gets to like tell every type of person of color off. <laughs> like, yeah. They don't give a shit about this at all. Everything is like really lazy. It's his last day on the force. Everyone's like, you know, oh, is he going to get fucking murdered on his last day? Like everybody would talk about at a police station. <laughs> His yeah. cat is named like Mr. Whiskers. Like they didn't put it any sucks. effort into this. It's like a different movie. Yeah, uh-huh. it's shot. It's like shot differently. Like it's shot like it's a a sort of B movie about like you know a remake of Dragnet or something. Like it's it reminds me a lot of kids movies of the same era yeah yeah it reminds me of like three ninjas mm-hmm. like it's got that sort of a vibe to it where like everybody's really cartoonish like the guy who he punches out at the end is like a real goofball character like yeah. very clearly just plucked from a different movie it's like he's in that guy's in like two scenes right uh-huh. like he doesn't have anything to do except literally be the guy who calls him out for being a pussy once and then get punched That's absolutely it. steals That's the show it. though gotta say <laughs> <laughs> didn't think about anything else but him when he was on on screen (laughs) yeah it really sucks and um i I, it definitely feels tacked on so i i feel like we could maybe not blame eb for it yeah i don't know i mean i they needed a cop they needed somebody to to be coming after right they had to have the ending scene should we get to the ending scene not yet okay because we haven't talked about the nazi we haven't talked about the nazi yet but the other thing with with the cops before we we move on from them forever is that this movie cannot decide what it thinks of cops. <laughs> yeah. It can't decide whether it thinks, like, because, you know, Robert Duvall and his fucking hot partner are solving this crime in a day. Like, they are easy. moving this thing along. It's like, so I've easy. never seen police efficiency like this. <laughs> but then uh, when Defense's wife is like, I have credible threats from my fucked up husband who I can show you like home movies of him being a psycho. Like, (laughs) I've got plenty of fucking evidence. I have a restraining order. order. Like, he's calling me and saying shit and they're just like, this fucking crank, what a dumb (laughs) bitch. I'm not fucking coming to your stupid house. You suck. (laughs) I've been here for a whole 15 minutes and this motherfucker ain't showed up. He's not showing up to your impossibly close to the Venice Pier fucking house. Yeah, I'm trying to get some the hat. <laughs> trying to eat some salami. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's really weird because I, I feel like this is one of those things where the writer and the director may have not seen completely eye to eye. Mm-hmm. Like, it, there's somehow there must have been rewrites where one of these people did not like cops and is like, See, this cop treats this clearly battered woman mm-hmm. <laughs> like like shit. And then the other one is like, well, maybe we'll have the cop be the good guy. This movie is definitely copaganda on, on a large scale. But again, it's like it's not clear if it is because it's like it doesn't always want to be. But it doesn't always it, want to be you as a viewer. Uh, 
are led to sympathize with Michael Douglas. You're led to want him to get to the end of the story. Right. It's only like right at the end that they even start to pump the brakes a little bit to be like, you might actually not think he's cool. <laughs> but like for most of the movie, you think he's cool. And anytime he comes anywhere close to a cop, you're like, I want that cop to fucking move it along because right. I want Michael Douglas to keep going. I want this to keep moving, you yeah. know? So it's like part of it is like you are staged to be in an anti-cop position but then also you're with them and you're like yeah but like i want him to like not die on his last day yeah (laughs) so maybe i don't know it's like maybe it's cop neutral it can't be this was filmed during the la riots yeah like it's hard to like understand where anyone's mind was Mm -hmm. in making this film um because it has to have been somewhere it is not a view from nowhere kind of movie you know like lots of movies that we will watch on this show um that I've seen in my life, especially in the nineties, like come from this view of like absolutely understanding that cops are the good guys. Yeah. Like that's just how it worked. Um, and suggesting otherwise is dangerous. It mm-hmm. seemed in the nineties. That's um, left purely for Serpico. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but this movie kind of is confused even on, on that level. I think the most confusing part is the part we're getting to is, is the Nazi. Yes. So as, you know, as as the crow flies, uh, you know, if you're going to go on a racially motivated rampage at some point, some other white supremacist is going to be like, yeah, dude, that rules. Cool, man. I'm in. Yeah. Uh, so Michael Douglas uh, goes to an Army Navy surplus store to buy some new boots. Not clear why. Uh, uh, well, he he he's his he's got a hole in his shoe. He's had a hole in his shoe since the since the Mexicans attacked. Oh, OK. So he's got a hole in his shoe. Whatever. Very convenient reason to move him into an Army Navy surplus store. Yeah. Where I don't know, man. It's like the 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 scene is he's shopping for boots. The racist guy comes up to him. The racist guy owns the Army Navy surplus store. Of course. Goes he does. up to him and he's just like, "Hey, man, you looking for boots? Whatever. Look at these fucking gay dudes. <laughs> yeah. Look at these fucking faggots over <laughs> there fags. shopping for." For for army shit in my <laughs> store, he's just yelling like he's just yelling gay at shit them. at them, uh, <laughs> and and they're scared off. And this is so confusing to me because it's the knowing where the scene goes. Like yeah. I know that this is the scene where it's supposed to be that the audience is like, oh, Michael Douglas isn't a racist, but he does nothing when this guy is abusing these gay men. Yeah, he, he does just... absolutely nothing. He stands silently, still looking at boots. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he doesn't care <laughs> because the gay guys are like, "Come on, let's go," and one of them is like, "Make me, bitch!" Like he kind of stands up for himself, and mm-hmm. then the guy pulls a gun on him. Yeah, and in he's... the weirdest way. Yeah. And that's that interaction. And then he's like, come on, let me show you some stuff. And let me show you du- my Nazi shit. Yeah. <laughs> and defend- come on to the back room where I keep my Nazi my shit. My gay hating shit. <laughs> Just want to say, gay dude who, who almost fought him, star. Star of the movie. Oh, yeah. Best character in the actor. whole goddamn movie. Good actor. Chiseled. Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> completely bought his character. Yeah, both of those guys were like very much real gay guys in uh-huh. the 90s and they didn't even act poorly. It was yeah. like it was good. Little tiny little little line is uh when the one guy is standing up for himself and then the other guy's like 
come on, man, I don't need this shit today. Yeah. Is so good because you're like, oh, yeah, no, this dude's a hothead. He's like always getting into shit. <laughs> yeah. And the other guy's fucking tired of it. You yeah. Know? Like really good stuff there. Yeah. And then they nice go in the back fighting. to go look at the Nazi shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then Michael Douglas is like, oh, okay. <laughs> well, this guy, I trust this guy to take me in the back of his store. Yeah, again, show me just some watch cool him thing. kick gay people out of his store for being <laughs> Pull gay. Pull a gun on a gay man. <laughs> Yeah. So and then and then he they go back and he shows them a bunch of Nazi shit. He shows them like a a canister of empty Zyklon B. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like it's pretty dark. He's got like some weird like Nazi porn. Yeah. Uh, he's got like a flag. He talks about killing the Jews. Oh yeah. And he talks about he's like and then Michael Douglas. It takes him like this. The scene is pretty long. Yeah. <laughs> and then he like finally is like man. Good job. I really appreciate what you're doing out there. And he's like, what? Wait, is that why we're talking right now? (laughs) What do you mean? And he's like, I heard about all the people you've been killing. Yeah. And that's cool. I like that. And Michael Douglas is like, how dare you, (laughs) sir? How dare you? So this is... (laughs) And I think this is a... This is the most revealing thing that the point of this movie is that the the or the point of writing this movie was being aggrieved about being a white man is being a Nazi. Mm-hmm. I think that that's what E.B. was at least trying to say. Some nugget of his brain was like, they are the same. And, right. And you can't, there's no separation from centrist who is okay with the oppression of gay, black, Mexican, queer people, and a fucking Nazi. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, that's the same guy. <laughs> right. But... The scene that ends up coming out the other end yes. is just bizarre and right and not good and like not well acted. <laughs> oh no! And the Nazi is the most cringeworthy actor in the movie. I think. Yeah, he's think really about bad. It. <laughs> think about it. Think about it. Think about it. Yeah, he sucks ass. <laughs> yeah, uh, and so the what you're right. What comes out is basically <laughs> this scene that's like. This is what a racist looks like. Mm-hmm. And Michael Douglas is not that guy. As a matter of fact, he's a superhero who kills a Nazi. <laughs> <laughs> he's super dad. Yeah. The he has is- a re- he has reasonable criticisms of culture. <laughs> and this guy just wants to kill people. <laughs> different guys. Different guys all together. Yeah, yeah, they both voted for the same guy, but different guys yeah. all together. The the thing too is that like it feels like at this point in the movie is about when in my mind Schumacher looks back at some some, you know, he gets some earlies and he's like looking at kind of like how the movie's cutting together and he's like, "No, this looks like Birth of a Nation. Like this looks like <laughs> Like pure Nazi shit. We need some way to backpedal a little bit. (laughs) Like that's what this really feels like is them kind of being like, no, no, no. We need to like mellow this out just a touch because what the fuck, dude. And and the thing is, if if this movie had balls, then the people at the McDonald's would have actually been black people. Oh yeah, the people behind the counter at the McDonald's are white. And, and one of two of the customers are black. But yeah, but, all... but the people behind the counter are white. The, most of the people eating there are white. 
And yeah. the the big thing that happens in this scene is that the Nazi guy is like, yeah, they were all N-words, right? Yeah. Like, everyone at that McDonald's was an N-word, and that's why you did it, and that's why I love you, man. Yeah. And, like, I think that you're supposed to be there in that moment with them being like, you know, he's wrong, though. You yeah. know, this guy's wrong. No, yeah. The, the Michael racist Douglas is wrong in his that. stupid assumption, you know? like, <laughs> and, and Michael Douglas, I think, clicks, and he's like, no, they weren't. And he's like, you're I'm justified because you know, it was I'm about just, breakfast. Yeah, sorry, it was about <laughs> breakfast. <laughs> but anyways, if this movie had balls and it was actually like the movie that I think we both kind of want it to be. Yeah. <laughs> if it really had the balls to be that movie, then it actually would have been black people yes. there. If, and it, if it was a movie that I wanted it to be, every single person he fucks with would have been some kind of minority and he would have agreed <laughs> with every single talking point that the Nazi thinks. Brindy Moore on the record saying this would be a better movie if he exclusively <laughs> fucked with minorities. That's honestly my opinion about falling down. Yeah, I mean, honestly, yeah, it it, it doesn't feel, like, it feels like it wants to have more to say than it does, and then it feels like the stuff it wants to say, it accidentally says the exact opposite right. <laughs> Um, yeah, because okay, so then so that's sort of that scene. Yeah, and that's kind of the end of his like no, I guess he like breaks into the There's a golf course scene where he this, He the, murders the, a golfer. The most confusing parts uh and this is sort of the like real Tucker Carlson prestige moment mm-hmm. is where he is just crossing uh t- a golf course and some elderly rich man is like get off of my golf course and then he like hits a golf ball at him yeah and he scares him and he he with a gun he pulls out a gun and the guy has a heart attack yeah um he shoots his golf and then he like basically kills him he just right. like, stands over and watches him while he dies yeah and the guy's like i have pills they're in the golf cart and michael Douglas is like that's at least 30 yards away yeah. <laughs> i'm not going all the way over there <laughs> and uh and then he jumps a rich person's fence and like kind of gets into this mansion uh and starts yelling at the people who are there who are also it seems to be not living there they're like yeah they're groundskeepers they're groundskeepers the, da- who are... the, the dad of the family is a groundskeeper and he's there with his family doing a barbecue while the owners are out of town that's right and there's this moment where it's supposed to maybe have some sort of like class consciousness or something where it's like look like you know you thought that we were rich we were rich but actually we're just like i don't know what the fuck is the point of that scene at all except that scene is really confusing and that's that's where this movie gets even more muddled is when this guy all of a sudden hates rich people too yeah Uh (laughs) (laughs) and that that i think you're right in in that like it wanted to be sort of like well, this is a movie about a Nazi, so we have to make sure it's not that. So he's just a crazy guy. Yeah. So because this hates- is also when they start to pepper in little bits of like they go, the cops go to meet his mom, and they're like, "Oh man, uh, he's actually fucking nuts." Oh yeah, and he's like, he worked for a defense contractor to fight the communists mm-hmm. during the Cold War. Um, so he's a hero, actually. Yeah. Um, but now he doesn't have anything to do. It's sort of the soldier with PTSD who came back and now doesn't have any brown people to shoot at kind of movie. Yeah, born in the um, USA. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so, but but they add in this like, and rich people also. Mm-hmm. 
And they can't even think of a good criticism of a rich person. It's like nope. having golf courses and having razor wire on top of your fences that make me cut my hand. Oh, yeah, dude. And <laughs> and the thing that he says in the golf course is really stupid, too, is because uh, he's like, uh, you need all this fucking land for your little game. There should be kids playing here. Yeah. And you're like, no, there should be housing here, you fucking idiot. <laughs> yeah. What is wrong with you? Yeah. No, what are you, Ted Kaczynski <laughs> fucking now? Fucking dumb shit. <laughs> Yeah, it's just, now he's the Unabomber for one scene. Um, and yeah, and then he's like mad about the razor wire. Uh, but yeah, what do we, we see like a bunch of, like there's a bunch of like side shit that's like establishing that he's actually crazy and like none of this stuff that we're seeing actually means anything because it's actually just a crazy dude who's always been crazy. Right. Um, yeah, because he lost his job not today, but yeah. months ago. Months ago. He's been, you know... He he break finally breaks into his wife's house where she figures out he, he keeps calling her throughout the movie and mm-hmm. scaring her and she finally realizes he's really close and and she leaves the house he comes there and starts watching like uh home videos where it's like he, at first you think it's gonna like he's like nice and smiling and then he just like starts yelling at his like little baby daughter yeah. like sit on the fucking rocking horse sit I bought you on the horse yeah. <laughs> you fucking bitch you little bitch. <laughs> two-year-old bitch um so you you the movie is giving you the impression that he's always been a fucking hothead he's always been a guy who is entitled and privileged and wants his way all of the time and it's crazy and i guess at some point he quote-unquote broke but it could have been months ago the thing is then that just like takes away the whole purpose of this movie altogether is like if we don't see that he broke then like are we to believe that this is every day for him yeah it's just every day him just raging at people like what the fuck is the point of this movie if he's been crazy for an an allotted amount of time that's happened off screen right you know and like without even a single point where it's like this is when he got fucked up and i think this is another thing where either Either the director doesn't understand and added a bunch of stuff to make him "quote unquote" morally ambiguous, mm-hmm. or um, the writer did. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, one of these people like made a choice to make it more confusing than it needed to be. Yeah. Um. So anyway, he's in this house. Finally, he catches up with his wife and daughter on a pier. Yeah. Robert yeah, yeah, Duvall yeah. finds him. He shoots the hot cop. Yeah, he shoots the hot cop once. Robert Duvall and the hot cop this find him. This part doesn't matter. Doesn't matter at <laughs> Who all. Who gives a shit about <laughs> just that? Just adds part. like a little bit of tension, I guess. Not to the at final all. Scene. It's, it, you're falling asleep every time they're on screen. But Robert Duvall <laughs> finally gives chase, um, and they get to appear. He meets the wife and starts kissing her, and it's really gross. It's really gross because <laughs> she does not like it. But also, fucking. What are you doing? You're running away from your crazy husband and you go to the end of a pier? Yeah, no, that's What stupid. the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> you made a really bad choice. Why would you go there? You know that he likes that You know he knows that that's a place that's, that you the go. The daughter's favorite place. And additionally, you have a choke point. Yeah. You <laughs> the can't other leave. side of you is literally the ocean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what did you think was going to happen? Yeah. Anyway, so he gets there he starts being like, we're going to be a family again. She's like, leave me alone. I'm really scared. And then Robert Duvall sidles up to him, <laughs> gun not drawn, eating ice cream. Popcorn. <laughs> Popcorn. Popcorn that and, he's found. <laughs> and he's like, it's 
been a long day for you, Sonny. You know what's funny is <laughs> that if he been got there. <laughs> if he got that popcorn, then that means that that snack shop is open, yeah. which means that there's somebody in there that whole just time like just like listening to this, like... just like, yep, seems like just perfectly normal shit happening out there between this man and his family, right? <laughs> Um, but yeah, Duval is there and he does a whole monologue where he's like, yeah, you know, you got a daughter and like, that's fucking cool. Mine's know- dead for whatever reason. Oh yeah, his <laughs> daughter died. Who gives a shit? At, it doesn't matter. At two years old. Um, <laughs> could not care any less about Robert Duvall's fictional- stupid life. Could have made it up in the story. Definitely made it up in real life. Yeah. Um, so in a moment of distraction, the wife kicks... Michael Douglas's one gun that he somehow yeah, whittled it yet. down to. Um, he gets the drop on him. The wife and daughter run away. And so he's has this guy who he knows has killed multiple people, has shot a bazooka into the street yeah. <laughs> today, is definitely armed, and is like, freeze, please. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just like talking to him. There's no hostage situation anymore. Nope. You can just arrest him. You could just arrest him or shoot him. That's also an option. <laughs> yeah. But then you're in like, the LAPD in the early 90s. You can 100% shoot this guy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and like articles mention like this kind of shit would not be afforded to a black man if he was yeah. doing this. And that's also sort of in the movie. There's a guy who's holding a big sign. At one point in the middle yeah, of the movie. Yeah, at a bank, and he's not economically... But it's, like, not on the screen long enough. It's not lingered on long enough that, like, this means literally anything. Yeah, but it's, again, it's another thing that feels like it's just kind of, like, thrown in there to be like, and also, he's not a racist. <laughs> well, we're not racist. Like, that's what yeah. the, the, the director is. Because it's a, it's a black guy who's holding a big sign, and he... He immediately gets arrested. He's just yelling in the street f- that he was fired for not being "quote unquote" economically viable. Or he was and- denied a loan, I think. Oh, is that what it was? I think it was okay, yeah. well, cops immediately arrest him <laughs> for nothing. <laughs> There's this white guy walking by with a sack full of guns, <laughs> not arrested. <laughs> this guy arrested. So I think the somebody involved with this movie kind of was like, we should maybe mention the fact that <laughs> if he was black this movie wouldn't be happening yeah but uh, he's not bad exactly <laughs> you know what i mean it's like co- confusing in that way so but yeah. so yeah so we're on the pier uh it's just robert duvall and michael douglas now yeah and robert duvall's doing his little monologue and he asks him at some point like you know why the fuck did you do this and whatever and and Michael Douglas is like, you know, I'm a defense contractor. I fucking, like, you know, keep this country safe. I should be rewarded for what I do, but instead I'm punished. I should have been a plastic surgeon. Oh, yeah, because he's not rich. Yeah, I'm not fucking rich. I defend this country. I should be the rich one, not the plastic fucking surgeon. Right. You know? (laughs) And, And he does this whole thing. And then Duvall, I think, says what the thesis of this movie is, which is he's like, is that what this is? Is that why my fucking chicken's getting cold and whatever that my bitch wife made for me? Like, is that what we're all fucking doing here is because you got lied to? We all get fucking lied to, dude. You know, like, it's... But, like, you don't don't get to do what you did. You have no right. You have no right. And that's, I think, what the whole 
like what the the perspective of this film is is like yeah he's right but he shouldn't have done that <laughs> yeah we all want to do this but none of us have rights we all hate the korean grocer <laughs> but you can't just smash up his store your life blows for reasons that we're not going to address yeah. <laughs> at all that have nothing to do with you fighting the communists <laughs> totally different than that but you know you can't do anything about it (laughs) and definitely not kill people definitely not this (laughs) what you've done no definitely not Not good yeah and so in the at the very end he says that and and michael douglas says i'm the bad guy me I'm the baddie. Little old me. Little old me. And he's like, yeah, you you are definitely the bad guy. You're the bad guy. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, buddy. And then he basically is like, all right, well, I'm going to shoot you now. And uh, Michael Doug and he's like, please don't shoot me. I've got a gun drawn on you. You really don't want to. He's like, I'm going to take out my gun. I'm going to shoot you in the head. And Robert Duvall is like, please. Please don't. Sir. It's my last day. Don't do that. And so he pulls out a fake gun and gets shot. Yes. But this is, again, tipping the hand a little bit about where... I keep wanting to call him Bruckheimer. Uh, Schumacher. Where Schumacher's head is at is because he draws his little fake gun, gets gets the last laugh by by having not actually you know been posing a threat and getting what he wanted out of that interaction. And literally quipping, telling a joke. And then additionally, yet yeah, informing Robert Duvall... If this was a real gun, you'd be dead. <laughs> I would have gotcha. Gotcha. I'm the Joker, baby. I'm the Joker, baby. <laughs> well, and then falls into the. And ocean. then he falls into the ocean, into and the, uh, the that's just it. And and Robert Duvall's like, actually, I'm going to stay a cop. And you're like, that's what this movie was. <laughs> that's your arc. That's just the, be like, you that's know the what? Final Fuck note of the movie. my wife. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So that's. Falling down, and, and falling I down. think, and I think what's really insane about this movie is that there's no way you can read it as not incredibly racist, yeah, and misogynist, and full of hate for anyone who's not a white person, who's not literally just Michael Douglas, yeah. Like if you're not Michael Douglas, fuck off, <laughs> you know, like because that's he, and and I realize too that like we have another movie of his on our list, uh, Wall Street, which I've never seen. I've never seen it either. But it just seems like the two things that we know about Michael Douglas now are number one that he uh, he got uh, cancer from eating pussy, and two <laughs> yep. that he upholds capital. Oh, he loves capital. <laughs> he loves capital. He's a big fan of it. <laughs> yeah, um, we may not even have to watch Wall Street, but um, yeah. So I think I think what's insane about this movie is that I remember being told that it was an a morally ambiguous movie or like I knew people who thought he was a good guy. Yeah. Like I feel like that's been in the culture for a mm-hmm. long time that he is a relatable character of a guy who goes on a rampage and does stuff you want to do. And that's just so insane to me, even though it's 20 years old or 30 years old. 30 yeah, years a lot. Old. Okay. 30, yeah. Yeah. Um, um yeah, I mean, I remember this being pitched to me by my dad as like a funny movie about a guy who does all the shit you want to do. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, I don't I remember, remember it being even that it was ambiguous, but rather like he is cool. <laughs> it's like an action movie, but if it was about you, <laughs> uh, yeah, and that's really scary. Yeah, like because there's people who are now boomers who like grew up in their our age mm-hmm. and thought that this was a movie that they were like. 
it'd be cool if this if I could do that stuff. Well, the thing is, I didn't even think about this movie for a long time. Like, I mean, I saw it when I was a kid when my dad told me about it, and I saw it, and and whatever. I don't think I thought about it again for a long time. And then I remembered the plot of it and whatever, and I was like, yeah, it's just like a guy going around. Like the thing that always sticks out is the the fast food scene mm-hmm. because. Presumably, that's the one that's like closest to relatable for your, for a regular ass person. Yeah, a normal person does get annoyed when they can't get the food they want. But yeah, like I mean. so that's the scene that sticks out to you, and you're like, yeah, it's that movie where Michael Douglas goes crazy and he and he he gets mad that he can't get breakfast. Right. And you're like, okay, yeah, like that's how I remember that movie. It wasn't until Gavin McInnes started coming around dressed as Michael Douglas and falling uh, down yeah. that I suddenly was like. Wait, is this like a fucked up movie? And I like went back and rewatched it. I was like, wow, yeah. Holy shit. Holy shit. That's a MRA movie. That's a Proud Boys movie. Yeah. I did pull up an article that we don't really have time to read now, but uh there I mean it's it's referenced a lot on sites like Return of Kings and yeah. um mm-hmm. Stormfront. <laughs> uh Daily Stormer. Oh, okay. Is the, Same thing. Is right? the news one, yeah. Yeah. Uh but yeah, uh, countercurrents and whatever, like all these like yeah. fucking weird like Nazi and Nazi adjacent sites. Like everybody in that world loves this movie, and with good reason. Of course they do. Like I think it's like their version of They Live. <laughs> oh yeah, you know okay, what I mean. Like how sense. like anti capitalists watch They Live, and they're like that fucking rules. I would love if I got to shoot people because ads suck. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that would rule. That would rule. Yeah. That movie's good. What if capitalists, you didn't have to feel bad about murdering them because they're not human. Yeah, they're aliens. <laughs> yeah, they're fucking aliens and they're taking over our minds. Okay, yeah, but yeah, but that this movie is like, you don't even need the glasses. We're just going to make the movie the glasses for you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you watch this movie, it's like putting on racist glasses. Yeah. Um, the other thing about this movie is that it shows that having a gun truly is just a superpower. Yes. Like, most of the time, the reason why... Michael Douglas is able to get the upper hand on people is that he just has a gun. <laughs> like he he you know has to do some like clever trickery at the beginning to get his first weapon. Mm-hmm. But then from there, you know, he upgrades to an edged weapon which sure is like pretty good but not I would say a ton better than the baseball bat. Once he gets a gun scared. though, it's like all bets are off, dude. Yeah, like, who cares? That guy, no you can, can kill literally you. anyone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's just his cockiness levels just skyrocket. Yeah. Um and he will murder anyone. <laughs> So, yeah, I think this the reason we wanted to talk about this movie is because I think it's a really good um, a really good example of a movie that is not intentionally anything. Mm-hmm. It seems everyone was confused yeah. when making this movie. You could definitely there is an argument if you want to be very charitable that the writer wanted to make a movie about how the quote unquote American dream is fascist. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you can say that. And that it is um, subjective. It's totally subjective. But the way that the culture has um, soaked this movie up is not subjective. And that this is a movie that fascists love. Yeah, it's a <laughs> and, it's a like a bug zapper, I guess. But it, it but then it doesn't zap them. Yeah, uh, a honey pot. So it's just a light. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like moths to a light. The classic <laughs> phrase. <laughs> Yeah. Um yeah. and and I think it's it's interesting to look at this movie as a, as you know outside of whatever it was intended it doesn't really matter but it does matter that you can look at it and say this movie shouldn't be watched yeah. by anyone because because <laughs> it it can't possibly give you something good. Yeah. 
it's 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 an interesting case of like whether or not it's intentional propaganda, it has become propaganda. Yeah. And it is now a, like, I don't want to say, like, a dangerous work, but, I mean, like, it certainly isn't a beneficial one. <laughs> no, it can't be used positively. Yeah, there's That's no the positive thing. outcome of watching this movie. <laughs> At best, you've wasted two hours. <laughs> yeah, it's not even particularly fun in any point. It's, like, yeah. it's not even bad enough to be like, oh, that was a silly movie, you should watch and laugh at it. It's just dark in places that are really... It takes it takes you some really scary places. Is there anything that got like an actual laugh out of you? Uh, not that I because can it remember. definitely is written to be funny at times. Like stuff is played for laughs. There's clearly a dark comedy intention. I think the biggest like pop it got out of me was in the McDonald's scene when he's like, you know, he's menacing with his gun and the woman throws up out of fear yeah. and he goes like, I think we got a critic. Like, yeah, I think yeah. that was good. But then he overtagged it and he's like, I don't think she likes the special sauce. I'm like, you should have just left it. Yeah, shut up, the man. The fuck's wrong with you? <laughs> Clearly not a professional comedian. <laughs> oh, yeah. All of a sudden he just becomes this like literal Joker character who's yeah. like, hey, we got a critic. Like, it's like really strange. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I think honestly that made me hate him more. Mm-hmm. Like the more funny he or like tries to be, like I started hating the movie more and more. Because it's one thing if you've got this nerd who's just like being a shithead. But like when he's like clearly like mugging for the camera, I found it more and more annoying. So yeah. yeah how do we end this show? Would you recommend it? No. <laughs> I wouldn't recommend anybody watch this movie. <laughs> I think that it is largely uh, either when it's not uh, offensive. Uh, I don't want to say offensive, but like when it's not just like shit that's like right. hurtful and bad and generally like teaching the wrong things to the world. <laughs> it's just wildly boring. Yes, that's the thing. Is it's it's it meanders between being harmful propaganda for reactionaries to being just the most boring 90s schlock <laughs> like it yeah. can't decide which one it is but it's it's kind of both and it's kind of neither yeah so i would not recommend watching this movie no. i would agree i think it is a piece of shit movie it's mm-hmm. not even particularly well acted it's not um, well acted it's shot like Batman Forever. There's too many Dutch <laughs> angles. The editing is weird. They do that weird swirl around him when yes. he's on the Cholo Hill. Yeah. It's that sort of like proto Michael Bay, Joel Joel Schumacher bullshit mm-hmm. where it's like too many gimmicks to really be a, to be con- called a style. Like right. it's, it looks weird. It, it feels bad. It's not funny. Uh, and it's clearly a fascist movie. <laughs> like it becomes a fascist movie. I mean, like, like we said, it could have not been intended to be that way, but it is now. It is now. Yeah, yeah. it's become that. You can't. Um, you can't unring that bell. Yeah. Not now that like every Rush Limbaugh fan and Tucker Carlson fan loves this movie. Now that literally Gavin McInnes, the leader of the Proud Boys, <laughs> dresses up like this. Yeah. Everyone else in his little gang <laughs> has to wear the little fucking Fred Perry shirt. He gets to wear the Michael Douglas outfit. Who is apparently a superhero for killing Koreans. <laughs> um, yeah, it sucks. Yeah, and it sucks. Don't watch it. it. Um, all right. Uh, should we just like do some plugs and, and then uh, sign off? <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Yeah. So thanks for listening to the first episode of Generation Loss. Um, this has been a lot of fun. We will be doing 
more episodes where we watch more things, sometimes movies, sometimes other types of videos. Yeah. Um, and we'll be talking about them, uh, how they touch on culture, how they touch on politics, and how they make us laugh or whatever. Yeah, whatever. Um, <laughs> we'll figure it out. It's Brent and Jeremy watching movies. That's Let's right. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> That's what this show is called, Watching Movies with Brent and Jeremy. Uh, yeah. So listen to my show, BP Pledis, as well. Listen to Ballin' Out Super as well. Yeah. Um, follow us on Twitter at GenLostPod. And I think that's all we have now. Yeah, and f- follow me on Twitter. Nobody who's listening to this hasn't already Yeah, they're going to... Yeah, all right. <laughs> the first episode, we don't need to plug. <laughs> yeah, whatever. All right, goodbye, everybody. <laughs> all right, have fun. Bye. And somehow, it's my character. You kind of had the feeling that he came from another time, or he wished or he hoped for another time when things made sense. Uh, when somebody's job was worthwhile, you had a purpose in life. And the picture, I mean, symbolically, I guess, really is a passage across Los Angeles, a passage through our contemporary urban landscape, trying to get back and regain that sense of purpose, of love, of bondage, of family that existed in some other life or some other world. You know, what's happened for a lot of people now is that uh, we're angry and we don't know who to be angry at. There it is. You know.